I'm Alexander Price, and you're listening to Machine Elf Radio. For this week's episode, I spoke with Greg Shaw, who is Professor of Religious Studies at Stonehill College. Our goal was to talk about Platonism as a spiritual path, but he started telling me about a, a certain kind of Jungian dream work practice that he does in, in with with a group, and I was so into it that uh, we actually ended up recording two episodes. So so this week so this week I'm posting the episode where we talk about uh, the dream work. And normally, you know, I come from uh, a Sufi background, and uh, in the Sufi orders, we don't usually talk about our dreams publicly. It's frowned upon. But I have a very special kind of Kabbalistic medieval Jewish uh, divination system that I use when I'm unsure of something. And I did a consultation, and, uh, you know, I did the divination, and it came out positive that uh, it was uh, uh, fine and and good to share this with you guys. So, uh, um so that's what this is about this week. We're going to talk about the, this really cool uh, uh, dream work practice that he does called embodied imagination, uh, which which was you know kind of started by this guy named uh, Robert Bosnack. It's a really cool practice. I enjoyed it immensely, and uh, I look forward to uh, getting more involved in it and learning more about it. Probably the the single most important influence on my um, I would call it my spiritual life has been uh, my experience in dreams mm-hmm. and um, I've had some incredibly powerful dreams and life-changing kinds of dreams dreams that I could barely contain and uh, I always wanted to know what they meant and I'd look up a lot of explanations in different books about what they meant and I try to analyze them and find correspondences in myth and so on to the images in my dreams but at the end of the day, the interpretation of the dream always seemed to be thinner and less powerful than the dream itself, and something was always being missed in that approach. Uh, I would kind of describe it as an intellectualizing of the dream. And uh, so when I got a hold of Bosnak's book and was introduced to his method, it Wait, seemed to which, me that here's a method. This? Pardon me? Which book is this? Um, a Little Course on Dreams, I okay. believe, is the one that um, was my first book that uh, I saw of Bosnak. Um, and, and when I saw him demonstrate the work, I realized that what I wanted in, in, um, in terms of my own connection to dreams is to maintain and sustain the power that I felt in the dream itself and not just intellectualize it, not to take it out of the dream landscape and put it into my head and make sense of it, but rather to take my head and go down into the dream world and feel the power of it as I dreamt it. Um, and that's what his technique does and did. And so what and, is his technique? Well, essentially, it's the idea that you have a dream, and this is what Jung talked about, and you re-enter it imaginatively in your imagination and you descend back into the dream as you remember it and in the images that you remember. And then somehow, if you go deeply enough into those images, they seem to take up uh, take a life of their own and seem to have a degree of autonomy if you allow that to happen. And so Jung would say you can dream the dream for uh, through active imagination. The dream has a life of its own, you could say. 
and um, dreams itself onward. Uh, so this is active imagination in a group setting. So what the group does is they enter into an imaginative state, which is almost a hypnagogic state, not asleep, not fully awake, but sort of in that in-between place. And we enter into somebody's dream. And then we work the dream with them. And that's about as much as I could say describing it without um, giving you a, a taste of it by doing it. Because it, no matter what you say about it, 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 it doesn't quite convey it in terms of an experience. Okay. Do you want to try it? Just a Pardon few, me? Do you want to try it real quickly? Just a minute or two? Uh, I hadn't thought about it, but... Um, <laughs> I'm game. Okay. I'm game, Alexander. Well, and before Let's we what, before we jump into that, me? before we jump into that, I'd like to ask you a question about like uh, this practice versus um, a lot of the dream work that I've encountered has been really uh, uh, aimed at producing lucid dreams, and uh-huh. and this doesn't seem uh, to have that focus at all. And, no, uh, it doesn't. And I think it that's doesn't. really interesting. In a sense, um, <clears throat> while I, I think lucid dreaming is pretty cool and, and I admire um, people who are able to have moments of that, and I know that in some Tibetan teachings they talk about developing lucid dreaming and all that stuff, this isn't like that at all. My suspicion about the um, desire for lucid dreaming is that um, the ego, and we're always insatiable for control and power, wants to develop more power, more control, even in the dream world. Now how I can control my dreams. Ha you know, that sort of impulse. Wow. And this, this work, and it's probably not like that. It's probably a caricature of, of that. But uh, Bosnak's uh, dream work um, pretty much invites us to go down into the dream and the ego, um, the image of the ego in the dream or the dream ego becomes, if you do this work correctly, uh, like another dream image and becomes a little bit more porous. And um, you, you almost, your identity is no longer focused just on your dream ego, but in, in other images as well. It's a spreading out of the self. Wow. into a, a kind of environmental landscape. And, that, and that in a deeper sense, you could say that might be the deeper self, you know, something that's deeper than the ego. And if you're familiar with Jung's language, um, he has a notion of the ego and then the self with a capital S. Um, Bosnak doesn't use that language. And Bosnak draws from Hillman, but there is something similar to that. You move from a kind of an external ego into something much more um, fluid and porous and and accessible to what well, Jung would call them archetypes. Um, James Hillman called them the gods. You know, I mean, it's just, it's the same stuff. Unconscious contents. And so, these kind of groups um, is there uh, a training program that you need to go through, or does uh, he put out the technique in the books and you can just learn the technique on your own and jump in? Nope, I don't think you can just read the books and jump in and do it. Um, I mean, that's my bias. Okay, maybe that's because I didn't learn it that way. Okay. Um, I, I learned it from Bosnak, and <clears throat> I don't think 
that I would have learned how to do it if I hadn't seen it demonstrated over and over again in different contexts. So I did that for quite a few years, and I'm in a group now with um, several people, one of whom was in Bosnak's group with me, and there's about six of us, and we meet once a month and do it, and um, we just do it because we appreciate the work. Um, everybody in the group, except for me, is a therapist because right. they like to incorporate this kind of sensitivity in their therapy. But uh, you don't have to be a therapist to do this. You know, it's just, do you have, do you kind of have a, um, a, a porous imagination? Can you focus? Can you concentrate in your imagination and stay in an imagined world for about an hour, an hour and 10 minutes? And if you can do that, then you can, you can learn how to do this work. Okay, um, so could you, uh, can we give an, an example, like give it a try for uh, a brief uh, uh, example of what, it's, what it looks like? Uh, it might not work, but okay. I'm willing to try it with you, Steve. Sure. Yeah, sure. Um, so how would, how would you start? Well, I would start with a dream. Mm-hmm. The dream is, is, you could say, is the phenomena is the phenomenon that we enter. And so we need a dream. Typically in, in the dream work, we meet and somebody shares a dream that's, that's uh, vivid mm-hmm. and is still alive so that they can still feel it as if they were in the dream again. Mm-hmm. So it has to be a recent dream. It doesn't have to be a long, drawn out mm-hmm. or narrative coherent dream. It could be almost just a fragment because a lot of our dreams are just fragments. Okay, so uh, I can tell you this is one that uh, struck me a couple weeks ago that really uh, – uh, I've been dreaming a lot about trees, uh, because partly because I'm in a class with uh, Kimberly Patton about trees, and I'm always talking about trees and thinking about trees. But this uh, – the one that's coming to my mind isn't actually a tree dream. I was uh, – <clears throat> Okay, then could I ask you yes. to stop for a moment, and you're going to tell me your dream? Yes. Okay. So there's a specific way that we, you know, we would like to hear the dream. I mean, if I'm going to try to do it with you, I want to sort of hear it the right way. Okay. Um, I'm going to listen to you tell the dream. Um, if you can, I know it seems weird on a Skype, but if you could close your eyes so that you could be back in the dream and just describe the dream um, in the present tense so that you're in it when you're describing it. And I'll listen, and um, then we can take it from there, okay? Sure, sure. And uh, uh, this was uh, a couple weeks ago, so I do feel like the details are starting to fade. But um, Don't worry about it. Just, just do your best. Okay. So I can remember that I was watching someone dancing. Slow, slow, slow I'm sorry to interrupt, mm-hmm. but don't say I was. Okay, I am. I am. <laughs> Stay in it. Okay. Try to be there in it, okay. And that's the only interruption I will make. Okay, so I'm what? <clears throat> excuse me. I'm watching a young man dancing, and um, as I'm watching, what I'm seeing, like he keeps changing in a way that is impossible. That uh, you know, for example, I don't know, he might uh, have 
one color of hair one one second and then the next second it would be a different color or his outfits are changing but like his appearance is changing just suddenly and inexplicably in a way that kind of flags to me that I'm seeing something that isn't possible mm. uh, and then I, I, I look off to the right and there are some people with a radio and they're playing a song and I recognize the song on the radio as something very obscure. The song that I like a lot, that I listen to, that uh, came out 30 years ago, and even at the time that it came out, it wasn't popular. So the fact that they're playing this song for me, like it's another, it's something else that kind of triggers to me that something strange is going on and they're looking at me the people who are who are playing the radio are looking at me in this intense way that they're makes it clear that they're trying to communicate something to me but through the fact of playing this song on the radio and then i realize that what i'm experiencing is a dream and it's not an experience like I feel like my real body is somewhere else asleep in the bed and I'm here in a dream but rather there's only dream there's not some real reality someplace else and I just start sobbing hysterically because I realize um, how badly I want uh and I guess yeah. need God, God to exist. Whew. That's the dream? That's the dream. <laughs> wow. Wow. Thank you for sharing that. Um, you started to feel it as you told it. Oh, I do, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, typically what we do in the, in the method is we then have responses to the dream, the things that associated with, you know, dancer or radio or whatever. But we're not, and then we listen to it once again mm -hmm. and then figure out how we're going to work it. But just to give you a taste of this, um, and let me uh, change the light here. It's too bright. Um, I didn't want the light shining in my eyes. Um <sighs> The way we <clears throat> do this work is that we go right into where you are, uh, where you began the dream, um, and you're standing, and we find out if you're if it's daytime, nighttime, outside, inside, what's the day like. We will try to get you imagined as much as we can into your dream body, into that body through which you're experiencing this place mm -hmm. and once we could feel how you feel and how you're breathing and invite you to um, be in that state then you're you're kind of then you're bringing the weight of your attention into that imaginal space and then when your weight of your attention is in that imaginal space and our weight goes with you then we can encounter what you've seen and what you're seeing in, in a more potent way. So 
I would ask, and I, you know, I can ask you, what, what sort of, and I'm asking you now, mm-hmm. you see this dancer. Yeah. He, it's a man? Yes. Okay. And can you see how he's dressed? Well, that was actually the thing that um, I, I kind of was avoiding talking about it because uh, uh, the, the, it's not that his hair keeps changing color or, uh, or those kind of details, but actually what the detail of what keeps changing is that like one second he has clothes on and one second he doesn't. So he flips from being clothed to not being clothed? Yes, and it, it keeps happening like... I don't know. The word that comes to mind is inexplicably. Like, yes. Um, it, it, and it's so, it's so, uh, it's not like, it's not as in sudden, but it's just like the states are uh, 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 alternating in, in okay. some impossible and, way. And in this work, mm-hmm. as, as my instinct in this work is that as you, the dreamer, start to go into, you might say, the complexities of how to explain what he's doing, mm-hmm. I would try to invite you into a more visceral, visual engagement with this figure. Mm-hmm. So my question then would be um, about his body, how his body is moving. And to sort of get you a little bit out of your head of you know how to make sense of this changing clothes and not mm-hmm. just to invite you to, to feel how his body's moving and, and how it feels for you to have this inexplicable kind of change of hair and clothing and mm. and as you're standing watching him what does it feel like what is what's your feeling about this dancer how do you feel him i i feel like uh i don't know i think that he's uh good at what he does um he's a good dancer um so what kind of moves does he make that you can feel? I feel like there are s- sort of spiral movements moving up and down towards the ground and like back towards standing and then back towards, uh, uh, you know, kind of, uh, I would might describe it as grounded movement or near to the ground. So, so there's, there's simultaneously a sort of spiral movement and then the, the moving up and moving back down again. So when he makes a spiral movement, is it sort of him twisting around in his body slowly or is his, are his knees bending? I feel like it's closer to the first that he has, uh, he's, uh, uh, he's actually like turning as he's moving, um, right. up, up and down. Yeah. Does it make you feel like he's almost like a human top in some way? It actually kind. Of, I mean, I I wouldn't describe it that way, but um, oh. the the imagery that's now starting to come to mind, maybe I don't know why, but uh, uh, is more some, something like a, a three dimensional DNA helix, or uh, okay. uh, or like a ladder or a tree, but something that like almost psychedelic that's uh, uh, that has this kind of winding and unwinding quality and moving, you know, the, this this uh, this rhythmic quality to it that's almost like uh, 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 the expansion and contraction of breathing. And and is is that rhythmic and expansion and contraction that that he's communicating through this dancing? 
Is that what affects you? Is that what really holds your attention? No, what holds my attention, I mean, I feel like that's more just like who he is, is like, mm-hmm. that's, that's his, uh, the kind of uh, entity he is, it just moves that way. Mm-hmm. But uh, uh, what really strikes me more is that um, I'm starting to become aware that, uh, that there's something going on uh, that's not normal the, the just by the fact that like it's kind of a communication to me that uh it, it, i don't want to say that i'm dreaming but that like uh um i've entered into some kind of space that doesn't work according to the laws of regular physics so you're feeling like you're being shifted in some way i feel like more the first like term that comes to mind is about waking up, but uh, I don't even know if that's the right word because it, it sets up that duality between awake and asleep. But, uh, but that's what it feels like. It feels like it's signaling something to me about like uh, you're supposed to not like uh, when you watch a movie, for example, you they have like what they call the suspension of disbelief, where you just like completely enter into the world as if it was real. And I feel like that's what this is communicating to me: is like you need to kind of realize that uh, uh, I don't yes. know that it's, yeah. that that's not what's happening here. But but it's you're there and you're feeling as if something. You're aware that you're kind of waking up to is this a familiar place you're waking up to or is it unfamiliar to you it's certainly not familiar and it actually kind of produces a little anxiety that uh um when when things start feeling less real like that uh that isn't a feeling that 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 isn't something that makes me feel secure it makes me feel a lot more um uh vulnerable and where do you feel the anxiety in your body as you're standing there looking at this dancer perhaps it it might be my breathing uh, you know um can you feel the anxiety in your breathing a little bit i mean now i i might place it more like in my lower stomach okay that's where i think i experience fear most well how how about now? Where do you feel the anxiety? Maybe a little on my shoulders, you know, maybe uh, like it's a feeling of uh, uh, simultaneously, I don't know, uh, contracting, but also trying to move back, you know, okay, to move away, away from what's in front of me. Is that, and this is sort of an associative question, but is that a familiar feeling to you in your life, contracting and pulling back? Not not specifically, but the feeling of uh, anxiety about things not being real is, is a familiar feeling. Okay. So without going into any details about where that's from, can you feel a little bit of that same feeling here now with this image? Yes, absolutely. Okay. Okay, so it, can we just pause for a minute? Sure, sure. Okay, we could keep going with this, Steve, and we'd, we'd be going for the whole forty-five right. Right. minutes to an hour. Yeah, and and that would be perfectly okay with me. But what what we were just doing now in this work 
was I was trying to invite you as much as possible into the body that you um, have in the dream so as to ground you as much as possible in that landscape. So interesting, yeah. um, I'm, I'm inviting your attention to leave a little bit of this hyper intellectual, like we all are, Steve, mm-hmm. you know, and and, and 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 to bring you down in Alexander, sorry, and bring you down into the the um, the dreamer in this in this moment of this dream, who probably just is encountering this in a kind of raw way, and feeling these things in a kind of raw way. And that sense of waking up, that sense of anxiety at the same time. And this is a really beautiful dream. It's a really rich dream. And um, it's it's entirely workable. It's still alive in you. I can feel that. Sure. Yeah. And But that's what we do is that we get as much as a, of the attention of a group and the dreamer into the visceral contact with the imagery and then and then work slowly through you and through your body and through your affective awareness into um, into the places that these dream images are inviting you to go. And um, if I'll now no longer doing the work, the reason I I, I find this dream rather um, compelling is that. It's an invitation to a kind of initiation. That's how it feels to me. Um, and, you're, and you're being invited. Um, uh, and you're being reminded by these, um, these figures uh, that you exist in this place where you're waking up. And it wants you to know that. That's how I'm feeling about this dream. That's beautiful really beautiful and it is interesting that uh, you know I, I used to be a dancer um, a, a, it's been a while since I really uh, practiced but uh, um, there's an element that uh, um, the, the the dancer is uh, is also someone I used to be in the past and um, right that's and, right yeah the the issue of returning to the body is uh, uh, something I think about quite a lot I, I wouldn't have uh, uh, thought of that as uh being a goal of dream work to uh to to come back into the body but uh it's something that my friends have told me in the past actually that i need to like do exactly what you're talking about to like uh come back to this planet (laughs) into uh, the physical uh material world where uh 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 which yeah, is, no, which is I something get, I enjoy I, no, very no, much. Yeah, I totally understand mm-hmm. that. That um, I, I understand your tendency because our minds are so quick and they're so um, nuanced and so agile, and that's great for so many things. But sometimes, when we're being invited into a dance, and you know, as a dancer, mm-hmm. that sometimes being too much in your head doesn't really allow you to dance as fluidly as you might. Does that make any sense? Yeah, sure. Um, And so, I mean, now I'm stepping even further out of this dream work, but if we were doing this work and we were in a group and working it, it's possible that we as a group would be able to allow you to slowly imagine the the kind of the, the kinetic 
presence of this dancer and and invite you to sort of move into what it's like to be that dancer. And given your own background, it could be that in this work, it occasionally happens, you could experience this dream space from the perspective of that dancer Mm. and to feel how, in a sense, magical it is to be in that body and to be in that energetic mode where you are like that DNA spiral going up and down, where your your appearance is is morphing like a kaleidoscope. And that might be a sort of a uh, an icon of of an essential part of, of who you are. Um, and, and by b- being able to enter into that dancer and, and to really feel it from the inside affectively and not just thinking, well, I am that dancer, but actually right. being the dancer, yeah. it have, has a profound effect after the work. And, and you kind of carry it with you. And it's a, really almost hard to say how you notice how you're carrying it but but that's the kind of work that it does that's the kind of effects that this work can have that certain images come up in your dream and we're virtually invited into those images um through this work and the images can sometimes have a a very transformative effect on us well i i think it's amazing that uh you have a group that comes together every month to do this kind of thing. And um, so if uh, we wanted to learn more about it, it's uh, Bosnak is the author and he's written, um, uh, I think two books you, you might've recommended. Yeah. Those two books are really good. It's Robbie Bosnak, Robbie Bosnak. And what are the books names? Um, um, a little course on dreams. Mm-hmm. And um, the other one is um, tracks in the wilderness of dreaming. Mm. I think. Mm-hmm. Um, and in that second book, he he uses this method, and then he compares it to his experience with Aboriginals, who seem to sort of intuitively know what's happening with other Aboriginals, and and so that the body itself is is almost like um, the transmitter of a telepathic knowing, and um, in a sense, that's consistent with this work because all of our bodies are taking in these images, and we. What happens often is that um, the the people working the dream with you um, can sometimes feel a connection that the dreamer has to an image even before the dreamer feels it. And the reason for that is that um, to some degree, we have a resistance to losing the boundaries of our ego. And so... It's, it's inevitable that everybody has these resistances and the other people who are working the dream can sometimes help soften those resistances by feeling those images um, kind of first on behalf of, of the dreamer. And it's, it's very much about um, kind of intuitively sensing the atmosphere of images and sometimes as, as a worker in the dream, your instincts are correct, that you're feeling something that's really there in the image for the dreamer, and sometimes it's not. But the only way you can find out is to gently, you know, um, if this were working your dream, I might ask you um, questions about how you're feeling about that dancer or 
um, if I if my kind of instinct is that there's something about the way that dancer is moving that I'm feeling like it's affecting me as I'm listening to you, it might also be affecting you. And so then I will ask, kind of in a, in a not too blunt of a way, um, invite you to see if that is in fact how you're feeling. You know, I might say, well, uh, we got to how you're breathing, you know, and you felt some anxiety and breathing. Where is it? Oh, it's in my gut, but, but, but now it's in my shoulders. And, and you have a sort of a, a familiarity with that. So you can bring in your sort of emotional um, baggage or, or, or uh, experiences, and they can start to build the container of the dream, the dream work. So that you can contain whatever's going to happen in this encounter with not only this dancer, but also with that kind of um, group of um, initiators who have who who want your attention and are playing your your music of transformation, you know, <laughs> over on the side. Oh, uh, they've, got, they've got your number. <laughs> yeah, sure. I'm, well, I keep calling them. <laughs> Hey. Uh-huh.